Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Devil and Angie podcast. I am Devil, as always, joined by Miss Angie. Hello. And we are here today recording two podcasts. One. One's evil. One's very reliant. As she says. (laughs) (laughs) So Angie would like to get it started with the murder mystery, as usual. All right. So today we're talking about, I guess you could say a modern day evil alchemist dun, dun, dun. she's beautiful as she is evil an attractive blonde who was born in california she lived a privileged life and made a name for herself as an american toxicologist in the san diego area interesting does this sound familiar uh, i believe i read something about it but please enlighten me absolutely well first off her name is Kristen margaret Awesome. Kristen was born October 25th, 1976 in Claremont, California to parents Ralph and Constance Rossum. So both of them worked at accredited colleges as professors. Her father worked as a professor at Claremont McKenna College and her mother worked at Azusa Pacific University. So as you can see, she's grown up in an educated Household. She is the oldest sibling and has two younger brothers. She did ballet and was a child model. So as you can see, her parents groomed her to be the person that she was growing up to be. They put a lot of pressure on her, as you can kind of tell. In 1991, when she was a teenager, her father accepted the position as president of Hampton Sydney College, in which the family then moved to Virginia. Kristen enrolled at the all-girls St. Catherine School in Richmond, where she started her downward spiral. So while she was attending St. Catherine, she started drinking beer and smoking cigarettes. She also dabbled in marijuana, but said it had little effect. The following year, in 92, she began using methamphetamine, as we know as crystal meth. In 1994, she moved back to California and enrolled part-time at the University of Redlands, but eventually dropped out following a meth relapse. So eventually she overcame her addiction, started a relationship with Greg DeVeers, whom she met while on vacation in Tijuana, and enrolled at San Diego State University. While here, she became a member of Beta Kappa, and she graduated with honors in 1998 with a chemistry degree. After graduation, she got a job as a toxicologist at the San Diego County Medical Examiner's Office, handling crime scene narcotics such as hmm, methamphetamine, heroin, fentanyl, and oxycotton. The following year, in 1999, Kristen Rossum and Greg married. At this point of her cleaning up her act, completing college, getting a job with the county, marrying her soulmate, I just almost wanted to say, awesome, Kristen, you finally got your act together happily ever after. Well, mm, not quite. Of course, uh, old habits don't exactly die hard now, do they? No, it never seemed to. The following year after her marriage, the year 2000, she began an extramarital affair with her boss, Australian toxicologist Dr. Michael Robertson. Get this, his specialization, according to one source, is in fentanyl. So keep this in mind, okay? It's a rare painkiller more powerful than morphine, capable of depressing the respiratory system to the point of suffocation. By the latter half of this year, Greg found out about the affair and her slip back into her meth addiction. 
Upon this discovery, he threatened to expose this to the examiner's office if she didn't quit her job, meaning she would expose both her and her immediate boss, Dr. Michael Robertson. And get this, Robertson was aware of Kristen's relapse and had learned of this threat long before Greg's death. Now let's get into what happened to Greg. On November 6, 2000, just after about 9.15 p.m., Rossum dialed 911 and reported that Greg committed suicide. Paramedics found him laying unresponsive on the couple's bed, which was sprinkled with red rose petals. Does this sound familiar? If not, I'll keep going. (laughs) Keep going. I'm intrigued. Red rose petals. Make sure to watch the bedroom, basically. It's like, it's, (laughs) well, you'll see. So he was pronounced dead on arrival to the hospital. He was probably actually already dead in the bed. Really sad. Initially, his cause of death was ruled suicide. Kristen had signed papers agreeing to have some of his body inside his family, particularly his brother Jerome, was adamant that he was not suicidal. His brother Jerome secured an injunction to prevent the cremation and have Greg's body autopsied. A month after his death, Kristen and Dr. Robertson were both fired from the medical examiner's office. Kristen for hiding her meth addiction and Dr. Michael Robertson for hiding his knowledge of it as well as their hidden or not so hidden affair. Mm, Probably the talk of the examiner's office. (laughs) Yes. Greg's autopsy was outsourced from the San Diego Medical Examiner to an outside lab in Los Angeles. The test showed that Greg had seven times the lethal dose of fentanyl in his system. During questioning, That's a little bit much. Kristen told investigators that her husband had been depressed before he died. At this point, she's trying to portray that she was oblivious to all of this. Her father, Kristen's father, even stated that Greg seemed depressed in his his eyes and drank a lot during the night of his death. As investigators dug deeper, they learned of her meth relapse and the phone call she made to his employer telling them he would not be coming into work the day of his murder. So if she's trying to be discreet about this, why would she make that call to his employer? Well, she's probably not thinking about it smartly. That's for sure. She's probably like, all right, got to tell this person, this person, this person. Yes. On June 25th, 2001, seven months after Greg's death, Kristen was arrested and charged with murder. So get this. On January 4th, 2002, her parents posted her $1.25 million bail. That's a little bit excessive right there. Mm -hmm. It's almost like her parents were on her side thinking, oh, she would never do this. He really did commit suicide. It was almost like their daughter could never do wrong in their eyes. That's probably one of the reasons why she was able to relapse into methamphetamine so much that her parents probably never, you know, were strict on her about it. Mm Mm-mm. They seem more like enablers. I mean, I'm sure they put a lot of pressure on her to be this privileged person growing up. I mean, she's in ballet. She's a child model. Think about that. Yeah, well, meth keeps you skinny. (laughs) At trial, the prosecution contended that Kristen murdered her husband due to his threats of telling her bosses about her affair with Dr. Robertson and use of meth stolen from the drug lab. Oh, also, what was missing from the drug lab was the fentanyl that was in his system. Shock. There were like 15 patches that were missing, according to a source. Mm -hmm. As this trial carried on, consisting of defense attorneys stating Greg was suppressed, his brother Jerome is testifying that Greg hated drugs. Here's where it all wraps up. According to Kristen Bond's card history, she had purchased the rose 
used to stage Greg's body, which persecutors claimed was copied from a scene in the 1999 film American Beauty. Remember me mentioning the rose petals on the bed? Uh... That was straight from a scene from that movie. On November 12, 2002, Kristen was found guilty of first-degree murder. Exactly a month later, on December 12th of that same year, she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole and is serving out her sentence at the Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla, the largest women's correctional facility in the United States. She predicated her uh, murder, and they were probably able to severely prove that with this stealing the drugs, buying the rose, like all these things just showed so much premeditation in the murder there. Mm-hmm. They were able to just slap the heaviest offense that they can get on her, which in California doesn't include the death penalty, I don't believe. Yes. And those drugs aren't easily or readily found. Fentanyl. And here she is. She's a toxicologist working at a crime lab. I mean, they're going to easily quickly put two and two together and make her the prime suspect. Right. I mean, it's like stealing from an evidence lab to kill somebody. How difficult it <laughs> is it to prove that the person stole the stuff? So, four years later, in 2006, Greg's family sued Kristen for wrongful death after learning of her plan to sell her rights to her story. Originally, she was ordered to pay over $100 million, but that was later reduced to $10 million. Though they may never see that full amount, Greg's family lawyer said it will ensure Kristen doesn't profit one bit from her story. Well, it'll probably take away from her parents, too. Mm-hmm. Even though, I mean, her parents sound like they're rolling in the dough, that's probably going to take a big chunk out of their change, too. Yeah, she was potentially, possibly looking at profiting, a source says, about $60 million on her story. Sounds like Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> now, how about Dr. Michael Robertson? What about well, him? I mean, wasn't he kind of like her psychic in this whole thing? Yeah, what happened to him in the end? Well, yeah, because if you remember what I previously mentioned, he was aware of her meth relapse and Greg's threat to expose both of them. Plus, his specialty was fentanyl. Yes. So, well, after him and Kristen were fired, he returned to Australia because he's an Australian native. Mm. He was also unhappily married and separated from his wife. So both of them were having extramarital affairs. He is considered an unindicted co-conspirator in Kristen's 2001 trial, but has yet to be extradited to the United States to face charges for Greg's murder. Extradition laws in Australia permits the formal process by which a fugitive found outside a judicial jurisdiction is surrendered to the jurisdiction where an alleged offense has taken place or trial or punishment. This may include a process done within the country or one between Australia and another country. So they do have an extradition law in Australia, which is good. There's a couple places, most namely Argentina, I believe it was, that a lot of Nazis fled to because they, they refused to extradite anybody. Interesting. But it looks like Australia is going to play ball. <laughs> just probably takes a lot of time, a lot of bureaucracy getting in. I'm sure. Do you have anything else to say about this? Your thoughts? Comments? I know what to keep a lookout for now on the bed. <laughs> Whatever. (laughs) Anyways, I don't know what else to say other than, you know, my sources are Sexy Deadly Chemistry, CrazyKillers.wordpress.com, Wikipedia, and Murderpedia.org. That's a crazy first uh, source there. 
<laughs> yes. So this story was actually brought to me by a friend of mine who works in an industry I used to work in. Thank you so much for this topic, and I hope you all enjoy it. Don't be like a Kristen Rossum. <laughs> <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to call it there for today. Devil and Angie's podcast is always going to be broadcast on YouTube and Twitch. We will also be streaming more and more. We have the VR set set up. We have our computers ready for streaming. And pretty soon, hopefully, our podcast format will change slightly so that you'll be able to see us interacting as well. We are going to call it there today. I will be live later on Twitch today. However, if you're listening to this on YouTube, how about you come over and check us out on Twitch, see when we, we will be streaming. We are trying to set a schedule for ourselves as well. But if you could subscribe on YouTube, hit a like, leave a comment, give us suggestions, that'd be great. If you would like to join us on Patreon, we will be adding additional ways that you can donate to our podcast to help us out if you enjoy the content and want to see more of it coming in the future. As always, we greatly appreciate your time and candor, and we would love to see you again next time. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye, y'all.